1: Hey everybody, welcome back. It's that time again. It's time for the 7th inning stretch. Uh We've kind of had a little bit of a hiatus this season, but we're back to discuss a, bit, a little bit of National League Baseball and get ourselves caught up. We have a lot of catching up to do. Um As always, I'm your host Armando Angulo, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mr. Justin Wells. Uh This season hasn't been the best for Justin so far, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Justin, how you doing, bud?
2: I'm 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 doing all right. Um, I I believe that as of right now, I I'm currently out injured, just like the rest of the Mets. Oh yeah, what's going on, man? No, no, I'm just trying to make the excuses to why we haven't, uh, you know, done this in a while. I've been <laughs> on the I, I've been on the DL with a throat strain that the Mets doctors originally said would cause me to miss one day, and it's 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 you know just we're just getting me back before the All Star break.
1: We're blaming Terry Collins, bro. Just like everything else wrong in the world right now, it's Terry's fault. I mean, I blame him for almost everything.
2: <laughs> you've, you've seen that. You've heard me do it. Like, I blame him for a lot of things. Especially, even things that, like, like my friends are just starting to get annoyed with me, So at least the ones who are Mets fans, some of my family members, because, like, I'm blaming him for shit that, like, he clearly has no control over. But it's it's, it's still kind of fun for me to do that. Like, I know some of it's irrational. He's yeah. just. He's just he should still be fired.
1: He's the, yeah, he's the one piece that's got to go, man. It's got to change, absolutely. Uh, but we're going to talk about National League, like we said, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back next week and discuss the American League. I think we're going to get a little bit of momentum here today and get on a roll and get back on it. Um, the National League, man, it's been interesting. Uh, the National League West has been... You know, a revelation from what it was last season and for the last couple of years. We see the Rockies playing really good baseball. We see the Diamondbacks being probably what they expected to be when they spent all this money. Um, and, and, and we're seeing, the you know, the National League East. We're seeing some so a lot of shuffle. We're seeing the Mets struggle in the Central. We're seeing the Brewers surprising a lot of people. The Cubs are bad, but there's still only one game out. What are your thoughts so far, man, on these, you know, just surprises going on this year? I think
2: the biggest surprise from the positive side has to be Atlanta and Colorado. I mean, it's not so much positive to you, but it, it, overall, objectively, it's those two teams. Uh, particularly Arizona, as you mentioned, they spent a lot of this. They spent a lot of money last year, and had AJ Pollock go down early in the season. Now Pollock's been, you know, off again, on again, injured this season, and they're doing it largely because of the emergence of the one-two punch of Zach Greinke and Robbie Ray. Um, Robbie Ray is one of the most ridiculous strikeout pitchers in baseball right now. Like I, the way in which those two guys are, are limiting runs uh, in, in a place that naturally produces a lot of runs. And if you look at the d offense, they score a lot of runs. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very, very like encouraging. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, um, neither of us are, but I, I have no ill will towards them, but also Colorado, similar situation. The young pitching staff, uh, you know, really has been very, very good early in this season. And it's actually been really good, shockingly enough, to overtake some, some really miserable offensive performances thus far from Cargo and Trevor Story. But I mean, those offensive performances have been more than offset by Nolan Arenado and, um, the most underrated player in baseball and Charlie Blackman. But I kind of stand there. I think those two teams are the biggest positive surprises. And I think the two biggest, ne- the three biggest negative surprises are, uh, in order, the, the, they're the last three National League champions. The, uh, the San Francisco Giants, the worst team in baseball. Uh, the New York Mets are not much better. And the Chicago Cubs, defending champions, a team that looks like, a team that looks like with some, with all the young talent they had, you know, fed it towards the end of the last season, like they were going to be, you know, a dynasty in the making. But, you know, they're just a game over 500 and supremely inconsistent at the moment with some, some really bad pitching. So I think those are the big surprises. Uh the Mets and the Giants, you know, you can kind of tell that they're they're in for it with the injured with the injuries that they've had. Uh, the Giants, you know, played pretty much everybody out of position at points this year and have gone heavily into their farm system. Um you know, cuz they brought up I think uh Gentry Jones playing third base him he's not a very he's not particularly good. He's uh, I think he was a minimum pro- medium prospect. Christian Arroyo who I believe actually is already injured and came up. It wasn't particularly good. And then uh they've had, you know, They've had uh, Eduardo Nunez playing in the outfield. He's a third baseman. And then, of course, the, there's the two big injuries to pitchers on those two teams. Uh Their horses, the the matchup in the National League wildcard game last year, Noah Syndergaard and Madison Bumgarner, both long-term injuries. So you can say that for all three of those teams that it's been surprisingly bad, the Cubs are in striking distance of the playoffs. But... It's the Giants and the Mets are really they're they're
1: they're they're without they're without a, a rudder at the moment. How much selling do you expect to see those two teams make um, or, or do? I know that uh, you know the Giants. The, the, they have some bad years, not as bad as this one, you know what I mean? But every other year type thing. And the Giants, really, they, they have Edison Bowl because they have some pieces that could be interesting down the deadline as well as the Mets. I mean, you guys have some pieces. Uh, how far? Do you, how much do you guys think you guys are going to sell? And then the Giants as well. Do you think you guys are going to be like full-blown sellers, maybe a piece here or there? Or do you guys think that you guys can keep some of this together going forward for next season? Let's start, let's start with the Giants. I think that the Giants need to
2: sell pretty much everything that isn't nailed down right now. Like I think that they need to move – Something that's going to get them a lot of value back to rebuild some of the farm system. If you look at the Giants since the end, uh, since last year at the All-Star break, they are significantly below 500. They were terrible down the stretch last year too. They, they eked into the playoffs. They, they came from a position where they were, I think about six or seven games ahead of the Dodgers at one point in the it, it last July. Right. And just fell, <laughs> and just fell apart. Their bullpen fell apart and now, and now if you look at the core of the team, uh, you know, Brandon Belt hasn't developed to what you expected, but what people expected from him. The power has never really come. He's an, he's an on-base machine, but from your first baseman you need more than that. Like, if you're going to be an on-base machine at first base, the production you need to put up also needs to be Joey Votto-esque. Otherwise, you're just kind of wasting space. Um, and then, you know, if Hunter Pence... Also a guy who's, you know, seemingly on the older towards the decline. Um, it makes no sense on Brandon Crawford how quickly he's kind of lost a lot of his skills at the bat. Still an exceptional defensive shortstop, but his skills at the bat are gone. I mean, had Sandoval from their last title winning team is gone. I mean, this might be a team, uh, Posey's, you know, getting older in a position where his knees are shot. And if you look at Buster Posey's power production over the last two years, it's way down. So this might actually be a case of the Giants, you know, that they, they went on their run where they won three World Series in six years. That might have been it for them like that. I think they might just need be now seeing the downside of they need to start over.
1: No, I agree, man. This team has definitely become a shell of themselves. You're not going to hear me complain about it. I'm actually, you know, have a big old grin as I say that, but, uh, you know, for me, baseball is always a lot more funner when the Giants and the Dodgers have something to play for. That uh, the going down the stretch, the last couple of seasons, the last you know five, six, seven seasons, it's been a lot of fun because we've been battling, we've been going head to head in the division and really going after each other. And that's an old school rivalry that I really enjoy watching and really enjoy uh, being a part of. Uh, you know, but at the same time, seeing a team struggle like this, it, it that that such a fierce rival, I can't help but to find joy in it. I think that they got to. I completely agree. It's got to be a fire sale. Cueto's got to go anything but Posey and, and Bumgarner at this point is what it looks like to me. Uh, and, and, and and as far as the Mets go, man, I think that you guys need to rebuild too. You guys got to keep your arms, but there's, you know, the odds of keeping them all healthy are very slim. So you think you guys are going to move one of these power arms, one of these young pitchers uh, for some rebuilding pieces? I don't think there's the need to with the Mets. I
2: actually think—I mean, the rumor that came out was that the Astros were checking up on Jacob DeGrom. Um, anybody asking questions about Jacob DeGrom, Stephen Matz, or uh, Noah Syndergaard can be shown the door. But uh I, I would think ultimately that the Mets are in a different position than the Giants, though. Coming off of two playoff appearances, and if you look where the Mets are going to have some ability to fill holes— it's going to be that most of their bullpen is on one year deals. So like Jerry Blevins and Addison Reed both can be free agents at the end of this year. I think Blevins has a team friend, a very, has a player option that he might or might not exercise depending upon the market. But Blevins, um, you know, is probably going to be the best left handed reliever on the market this offseason. Um, those two guys can fetch you, I guess, you know, a piece to put in your farm system. Uh, you know, Jay Bruce, Curtis Granderson, Lucas Duda are the other guys that I think the Mets look to move. And I think that all three of them, I mean, Granderson's been really, really hot. Bruce is having a great year. And then Lucas Duda remains one of the most consistently underrated players in baseball. Now, I don't know how much you get for any one of the three of them. You'll probably just get like a B-level prospect, or maybe you can get a, a relief arm for one of them. Because all three of them are, Granderson's 36, an expiring contract. Bruce is a 30 and an expiring contract. Bruce is, Bruce is, uh, playing himself into a nice payday, potentially. And then, uh, Lucas Duda also coming into next season as a free agent. And then the, also the, the other thing too is the Mets coming off the books next year are gonna have Neil Walker's off the books. They're gonna have Jose Reyes off the books. Thank God. Needs to be DFA'd next week. <laughs> um, Estrebo Cabrera, Estrebo Cabrera coming off the books. Travis Darno, they can potentially non-tender. So the Mets have a shot to actually start over and get more athletic and get better defensively and fix some of the things that have that have hurt them from position players, especially with. Um, having Dom Smith on the horizon at first base who, you know, he's one of Keith lost top 100 prospects hitting 330 in triple a and Ahmed Rosario who's rated by many as the best prospect in baseball is destroying triple a. It'll probably be up at some point in the relatively near future to take over shortstop full time. So the Mets next year could be entering into a situation where they still have Michael Conforto, Yoannis Cespedes and Med Rosario and you know, first baseman. That first baseman might be Tom Smith. That first baseman potentially could be Lucas Duda. I wouldn't be shocked to see him come back. Um, and that's four huge good pieces to, to build an off to build a lineup around. And they're going to have a lot of money coming off the books, so they should be in a position to spend something. But it's the Mets, so I I, you know, I don't expect them to, to spend a lot because they don't have a lot but i think the mets have a good shot at a potential you know rebuild that could go that could be pretty quick but they will need to invest in some inning eating some innings eating arms and they're going to need to just make sure they get better uh pitching depth because the plan fell apart without it this year
1: yeah no we saw that uh be quite evident but i, I agree I, I think you guys are in a much better position than the giants are you guys are a younger team you guys have uh you know a little bit deeper of a farm system and you have some quality players that are on the, on the horizon. Uh, before we move on to the positive teams here, I want to talk about the Cubs and, and they have the most recent news, I guess today, breaking Miguel Montero getting DFA'd because he opened his mouth. Uh, what are your thoughts on that in general? Uh, do you think that's right of the Cubs? I mean, ultimately I get it. Like he's not a star player. He's talking bad about, you know, the staff. It looks bad. There's turmoil in the club they, you know, they're not in the best position right now, so it's easy to DFA him, uh, especially when you have Contreras back there and stuff. But I am of the opinion that that's not necessarily right. I mean, you can pull the player in, have a conversation with him like, hey, man, you don't do that. I get it. He's not a rookie, and he's a veteran, and he should know better. But ultimately, what does this really say that like these players can't really have an opinion or can't raise concerns? I understand that maybe the media is not the best way to do it, but I, I don't know, bro. I, I think that this is... It's just bad. It's just it looks bad or it feels bad for me on the Cubs' point of view. Oh,
2: it looks terrible. I mean, you gotta think of it this way: Arietta hasn't been exactly the easiest guy to deal with lately, or in the last two years. And Montero catches him a lot. And one of the things that's been an issue with Arietta is. That throughout his career, that's only really kind of resurfaced in the last, you know, since m- the middle of last season, is that he gets stolen on because he's slow to the plate. When you're not allowed base runners, that all uh, that all goes away. But when you're getting run on because you're slow to the plate, and there's a lot of good pitchers who have this issue. Some of them are just not. Some of them are just not as used to keeping runners on base, and that's what's happened to Arietta. And Montero pointed that out. And one of the things that a lot of people will sit there and say is, you know you you steal bases on a pitcher or you steal bases on a catcher or you steal bases on the both of them. The reality is I think most of the time it's how slow you are to the plate. I mean, that's why you keep throwing over to first. That's why you keep throwing over to bases to keep guys close. Most bases are stolen on the pitcher. So Montero has a point. Now I think there's obviously always a better way to criticize someone, but don't you have Joe Madden in that locker room just because of the fact that he is better at handling these situations by, than anybody else in baseball. That's why you paid the big bu- the big bucks to go get him. It wasn't how he managed the bullpen in the last
1: October. I can tell you that much. No, I agree, man. And it just seems to me it just says bad precedent. Like, you can't speak up, you can't do what you have to do, and granted, I mean, at a certain point, Miguel Montero got tired of people talking shit about his inability to throw runners out. Like, you know, because finger does get pointed at Montero as well, and I think ultimately what he's trying to say is it's a 50-50 street, and if the pitcher's not doing, or it's a 50-50 with the pitcher, and if he's not doing his part, then there's only so much he can do. But maybe it came out wrong, maybe there was loss in translation. Either way, bro, I think it's a bad look for the Cubs. I think uh, obviously he's not a player that they necessarily need or anything but it's just not i mean not, it's not, a, a backup catcher right exactly and that's that's what makes this possible because if this was a star outfielder or a corner infielder with some pop this conversation wouldn't be happening because nobody would be getting designated for assignment at that point
2: no absolutely and the other thing you got to think about with montero and it's that you know it, it's very tarnished because his reputation is as an offensive catcher or at least it was until i mean if you look at his numbers over the last few years, he's played mostly in platoons. But he's a guy who's been a—he's a guy who, when he was in his prime with Arizona, uh, popped out between fifteen and you know fifteen and eighteen home runs and drove in seventy-five to eighty runs, seventy-five to eighty-five runs in limited opportunity. So he he has been a solid producer for a guy who's not a full-time catcher. And is he a good defender? He's, he's his reputation has never been as a very good defender. There's a reason the Cubs were carrying three catchers down the stretch last year, and why you know David Ross came into came into games specifically to to handle later situations for this team because neither of the you know neither of the regular catchers are particularly great. But uh, you got to look at the Cubs pitchers: Kyle Hendrick, very slow to the plate; Jake Arrieta, pretty slow to the plate. John Lester won't throw to first base. He's a head case, bro. Like John Lester won't throw to first base. There, you can't like anybody first, any, anybody who gets blamed for getting caught stealing on John Lester, like <laughs> it, 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 like if you if you don't give a catcher credit for getting a stolen base for, for catching a guy stealing with John Lester on the mound, then like you don't basically understand how defensive catching works in baseball.
1: You're a catcher. You know this. No, I understand completely. Then that's why I think it's a little bit harsh on Montero. I think at a certain point he has the right to speak up. I know ultimately it wasn't the best way to go about it. And there might have been, again, loss in translation, something or the other. I just think it wasn't handled properly. You could sit the guy. You could bench him. You could find him. You could do a lot of things. Uh, designating him for assignment is uh, a bit harsh, in my opinion. It just it just sets a bad precedent for that clubhouse and for everything else. But anyway, man, we can move on from that. And, and let's start getting into some of these positives. Um the Dodgers are really good again. Um, I guess that doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, the Brewers are playing a lot of good baseball, which is something that probably neither one of us expected. And uh, the Braves. The Braves and Marlins are competing in the National League East. I mean, they're 10 games out. In a half I wouldn't to 10 say games, anybody's competing in the National League East. But, I mean, it, it, for for what we expected out of them, you got to give them credit, bro. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean...
2: Give him credit. I thought I the understand Braves, what you're saying. I, I thought the saying. Braves I thought the Braves would be I thought the Braves would be about fifteen games adrift of the Mets and Nationals at this point of the season coming in. And I thought that the Marlins would be someplace around like six or seven games adrift of the two teams. Both the Nationals and the uh and the Braves have really beaten up on the Mets this year. Although the Mets did Take the last, you know, three of the last four that the uh, the Braves and the Mets played. Both those teams have feasted on the Mets this year, and it was supposed to be the other way around. Uh, they're both, both every single team in the division is laying waste to Philadelphia, which is certainly helping the Marlins and the Braves. And the Marlins had a terrible streak early in the season, which they've righted, which they've just about turned around to being, I think, they're six un- six under five hundred entering play today. Uh, the Braves, I think, are just two or three under 500. The problem is for everybody in the East except for the Nationals, they're, none of none of them are making the playoffs.
1: Right, right. I mean, now, those those spots are, are going to go to the West. Uh, it looks like at this moment both wildcard spots are going to end up in the West. Uh, so, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I agree with you. The Braves are completely catching me, caught me off guard. I really expected them to be bottom dollars with the Phillies and battling it out for last place of the East. But it's really, you know... And doing, without Fre- doing it with Freddie Freeman Hurt. Yeah, for a lot of the season. And Matt uh, Adams has been great. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that, that, who would have ever expected Matt Adams to have been great when you saw him in St. Louis? Like, it's just that they're making do with what they have, and they're doing pretty well. Uh, but ultimately, they're going to fizzle out, I think, just like, you know, a lot of these teams. The Brewers, the Brewers, for example, they're doing really good. They, they got some sluggers. They got some players. But the Cubs are right on their heels of a terrible Cub team, and they're, you know— they would be the first to tell you they're playing terrible baseball and, and and yet they're only a game out, man. So for me, I'm really concerned about the Brewers and if they're going to be able to, 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 to keep this going for the entirety of the season.
2: It's interesting about the Brewers has been that the pitching hasn't been particularly great. They just hit because, uh, you know, they have a lot of guys in that lineup with a lot of power. Um, Marcus Thames has completely come back to earth though. Uh, he's been basically terrible for the last two months. So I guess, uh, that really hot start and questions as to whether or not he was juicing were nothing more than just, you know, a guy who hadn't been in the majors in a long time running into some fastballs.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's all scouting. You know, once you get a couple months deep into the season, everybody's going to have the book on you.
2: But you know who has been really good for the uh, for the Brewers? Chase Anderson is putting together a hell of a season.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that was unexpected. came out of nowhere for all of us.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty much mediocre through his entire major league career. Just just over four years the, the, his age twenty nine season right now, really you know, six and two er two nine two ERA in Milwaukee, a park that definitely plays to to hitters. It's another reason why the Brewers are scoring a lot of runs. And eighty four strikeouts in eighty nine innings with a just over one whip. I mean, Chase Anderson's having a a, a really good season that. It's amazing that you know a guy doing a guy doing that 8 years ago is a Cy Young candidate doing it right now he's just another guy.
1: Right, but but it's nice to see some of these guys later on, you know, get up in age 29, 30, 31 and really figure it out and and, and be a good piece to rotations I mean we saw that with the Dodgers uh Rich Hill didn't all hasn't always had a great career but he's he's come he came on last season and then we paid him he's been okay this season but we see pitchers develop later on and and, and that's always nice to see it's just figuring out how to pitch just stop throwing and learning how to actually pitch
2: yeah yeah exactly you know trying to figure out where to it, I think it's a lot of young guys and especially now this day and age and I know it's just said all the time so it's not pretty reductive but there's too much of a a attention on the, uh, on the home run from hitters, which is leading to too much attention on the strikeout from pitchers. And it's causing pitchers to, uh, you know, focus on striking a lot of guys out. That's why they're, uh,
1: Walking more players, and that's
2: uh, why home runs are, that's home runs are getting hit.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's what's happening. People are forgetting how to pitch, uh, not pitching to contact, and, and and working that way. It's all uh, strikeouts or bust, and and hitters, it's the same. Go big or go home, and that's what the game has really evolved into. Uh, but let's talk about. You know the Dodgers, and uh, let's talk about how well they're doing. Dave Roberts continues to do a good job. We're seeing good pitching out of McCarthy. We're seeing good pitching out of Alex Wood has had. It's been a revelation. He's been an absolute uh, beast this season. Um, you know, Kenley Jansen barely allowed one Kenley walk. Jansen's,
2: Kenley Jansen's
1: ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, look, bro. A couple days ago, we were playing. Uh, we, we were playing the Rockies, and, and you know we're down. Five nothing in that game. We go and and we come back. We get the lead. Long story long, bro, we got five earned runs out of four wild pitches. And then Kelly came up and roped a double. Because nobody expected him to come up to hit. And it's like, well, the game's yours, big fella. He goes out there, ropes an RBI double. I mean, this team is just ridiculous right now. It seems everything they do can't go wrong. They got the Midas touch, and everything's turning into gold right now. Uh, we see young players developing. Jock Peterson has gotten better, cut the strikeouts down, getting healthier. Um, and, and we're seeing the emergence of Cody Bellinger. Who, who- The emergence of Cody Bellinger. That's the, piece, that's the piece
2: that's amazing to me. This guy, I mean, so... I've I've gotten to in in the you know this season thus far see both Cody both Cody Bellinger and uh, and Aaron Judge play. And I got to see Cody Bellinger look completely overmatched because Max Scherzer struck out 14 Dodgers that night. But that's just cuz Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. And then I got to see Aaron Judge hit a ball like extremely far. And the one thing I noticed is if you want to talk about like the the all or nothing swings Judge doesn't really have one. He's just big and powerful.
1: Bellinger's got an all-or-nothing swing, and it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, Bellinger's one of those guys. I've, I've, I've Actually, when he first came up, I was concerned about him because his swing is so long, and it's it's all or nothing, like you said. And for me, it's like, okay, eventually they're going to figure this kid out. You know, 21, 22, he's going to see some junk. He's going to come up here. They're going to pound him inside one way or another. The thing I'm noticing is he's making the adjustments that you see veterans make. He's moving off the plate a little bit when he's getting worked inside. He he is adjusting his to swing to, to to the off-speed pitches. He's seeing first-pitch fastballs, and he's jumping all over them. He's showing maturity as a hitter and hitting In the heart of this Dodger lineup, and actually playing a very solid defense, whether it be the outfield, the corner outfield positions, or even first base covering for Adrian Gonzalez, who would have thought that Adrian Gonzalez could have been a piece that was missing for the Dodgers for so long? And we haven't skipped a beat. I mean, you would also think that the Dodgers would be where
2: they are with Corey Seager playing, you know, decently, but not. But Corey Seager has been like the fifth or sixth best base shortstop in baseball this year. Whereas, you know, you would have thought if the Dodgers were gonna. Be as good as they are, which is 52 and 28. They're really good. They're the best team in the National League at the moment. But uh, if you would, I mean, also nine and one in their last ten, you would also thought that uh, Seager would be putting up numbers that are just absurd. And he's been, I mean, I think he, I think he comes back tonight or tomorrow from a from a short term hamstring injury. But he's been kind of pedestrian. He's been good
1: yeah but for his standards i agree I, I, I tend to agree with what you're saying for his standards, he's been pretty pedestrian and and then you know if he can't if it's only a matter of time in my opinion for him to get hot and to get right and then uh you know, if it's down the stretch, then watch out everybody else because uh this team is, is, is firing on all cylinders. A guy that I gotta give a lot of credit to right now is Justin Turner. I mean, he's not leading the national league in, in average because well, he, he was injured for a little while and he's probably been like ten to fifteen at bats behind, uh qualifying for that. But the guy's hitting three eighty five. Um yeah, yeah, uh, he's, you know, he's last great. time last time I checked the calendar, it's about to be July and the guy is hitting uh 385. Uh on base percentage of 4.69. That's just unreal. That's a made-up uh video game statistics right there, my friend. Well, I mean, it, it
2: just perfectly fits that Justin Turner is as good as he is and Daniel Murphy is as good as he is. Because God hates me. But uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll be all right, bud. No, I mean Tur- Turner's the one I'm less damaged about because he was a 29 year old journeyman at that point in time nobody
1: believed in so, him man
2: nobody believed in him some, somehow somehow he's become over the last three seasons he went from being you know like wow there's something to this guy to this guy's giving you some you know some elite third base production to, holy shit what is this guy
1: on no yeah it must be that home cooking man back in la you know yeah he's, he's a southern california guy right yeah born in long beach man actually went to fullerton and stuff
2: yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, he's uh, but he is also apparently every place he's gone been a really good clubhouse guy.
1: Right, right. Like, he's
2: kind of a leader and a glue guy.
1: That's incredibly evident for us. Uh, just the joy that the guys get uh being around him, you see it out there. Uh, I think honestly, him. He's the pie guy. He's the pie guy. That's right. That's right. Everybody needs a pie guy, and he's the pie guy. He is the pie guy. But yeah, man, they've been a lot of fun to watch. I mean. Kershaw is in, I would say, in that Seager category right now. Not exactly Kevin, uh, uh Clayton Kershaw, but but still really good, leading the league in 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 wins. But uh, you just know that it hasn't fully clicked for him this season, and uh, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna. Yeah.
2: So very rarely can we say that Clayton Kershaw hasn't been the best pitcher in the National League. But this season, he's not been the best pitcher in the National League.
1: Right. Right. I 100%
2: agree. I still think that. Max Scherzer is not nearly as good as Clayton Kershaw. Um, you know, just a just a thought. And I mean, we're talking about Clayton Kershaw's down year. He's eleven and two, the two four seven ERA. Um, you know, he's still you know doing a uh, still doing ridiculous work. He hasn't completed a game yet this year though. I mean, I'm just a little bit annoyed because of the fact that the. Uh, the Mets went out, homered off of them four times, scored six runs against them, and still lost like if you beat if if you if you hit Kershaw like that, you should still you should win that's just been the kind of year it's been for me
1: and the kind of year it's been for us to be honest man, like no matter what this team has come up against whether they're they're down late they're down early uh they just they, they they scratch claw and fight back. I've not seen a team like this in a long time here in LA. I know we've seen some quality baseball teams, especially these last decade or so, consistently fighting for the for for uh, you know getting into the LCS and and winning the division and stuff like that. But never have I seen a team uh, in a long time with this much grit out here in LA. Yeah, no, they're 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 really good. I mean, I think it, you know it's it's going to
2: come down to I think the Dodgers and the Nationals. I really do. Uh, the Nationals, we haven't really spoken about them much yet. So let's, I guess now is as good a time as ever to get there because we were talking about Kershaw. Let's go to Scherzer. Um, Scherzer, I, I know I've said this a few times before. His fuck you mode is so much better than anybody else's in baseball. This year, been no different. Uh, somehow, with a 2.06 ERA, he has managed to lose five games, which just shows you that the Nats just, for some reason, don't like giving him run support. But, the amazing thing to me is one hundred and thirteen, it one hundred and thirteen and two thirds uh, coming into today. One hundred and fifty-one strikeouts over that time.
1: Yeah, man, he's ridiculous. I mean, we got to see it, like you said, in the flesh, and it was just you and me were both just amazed at how how dominant he was, how 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 he was making these professional quality hitters. You know, kid like Cody Bellinger, lightning in a bottle, just looking like. He out of his league. It was just—it's amazing to see, like you said, Max Scherzer's "fuck you" boat is above and beyond anything we've seen in a long time uh, on the mound.
2: Yeah, and he, I mean, he's still in his prime, hasn't really ever been injured. I mean, this is a guy who—he looks like he might be. I mean, he looks like it's him and Kershaw is going to be the fun argument over the next, of course, the next few seasons. The, apologies to some guys that I really like into Grom and Syndergaard. Apologies to, to Bumgarner, but if you're talking about that National League heavyweight fight right
1: now, you're talking about Kersh Kershawn Scherzer. Absolutely, man. And, and that's, you know, they got other things going for him. Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. Ryan Zimmerman dead. has resurrected from the dead. Ryan Zimmerman's fucking ridiculous.
2: Oh, he's he's unreal right now. I, I don't I don't know how he turned it on on a dime that much.
1: I don't think anybody could have ever predicted this coming. I thought, he, honestly, I had... I thought it was cut. cut. Yes. Like, his skills were diminished. He wasn't going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, as a third baseman, he's been playing a lot of first base, and it's just it's, it's just done. It's just what you do to run down his contract and get him out the door. But, man, Ryan Zimmerman, just kudos to him, man. Crushing it, just doing, doing the damn thing, and nobody really expected that. Comeback Player of the Year, by far, hands down. Comeback player. I mean, this is the best year he's had since
2: 2010. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Test him right now. Arguably 2012. Arguably 2012. You can say 2012. He put up a uh, 25 and 95 with a triple slash of 282, 346, 478. For, um, but this year he's 340, 382, 637. Now the one thing I wonder is because he's just not walking, and he's he's never like he's always been a guy who has walked is there a massive slump in the second half of the season that brings him back down to a more reasonable facsimile of earth? Like he's not going to get down to where he was last year where he hit 15 homers, 40, drove in 46 and hit 218. But uh, you got to figure with Zimmerman, there's going to be some correction. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be any correction though with a guy like uh, Daniel Murphy or a guy like Bryce Harper or a guy like Anthony Rendon, who are all three players who, you know, have been basically Rendon's been on fire for since for the past eight weeks. And he always once he he always has like a switch point where once it gets turned on, he really, really starts hitting. And Rendon's another guy who's a very underrated player.
1: Yeah, man, he's one of. Four or five guys in this lineup with double-digit home runs, approaching if not surpassing fifty RBIs. That they are sharing the wealth, Heading close really, to three hundred. Yes, they are spreading it in that lineup, and 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 that's 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 what you that's what you want as a manager. You want to be able to rely on a, a on a group of guys, not one guy, because he gets cold, the team goes to shit. This team has four or five quality bats in this lineup that uh, are taking the game over right now.
2: Yeah. Now, the amazing part about it, too, is you would have thought that if this team was going to have a catalyst from anywhere, they'd get it from the top of the order that they acquired, the top of the order between you know, the Adam Eaton trade. Uh, Eaton was supposed to be their number two hitter and uh, and Trey Turner. Turner hasn't been particular. I mean, Turner has been OK. He's been he's been very good at short, but he hasn't been particularly you know, setting the letting the world on fire, setting the base pass on fire like everybody else thought he would now. Once he gets on base, I think he's the fastest guy in baseball, but uh, he hasn't been particularly great. And then Adam Eaton, I mean, he tore up his knee. He tore up his ACL and his, blew out his knee in April, and they haven't seen him since then. So it's those two that, you know, they don't have him. They've, they've been—they don't have him. Turner has been injured at one point this season, hasn't been great. They don't have him firing in all cylinders. In the case of Eaton, they don't even have him at all. And yet the offense just keeps churning.
1: Yeah, much to your chagrin.
2: Much my chagrin, but then we'll talk. But we can go talk about the piece where I think, obviously, as of this exact moment, the Dodgers have a very marked advantage over them. Uh, the Nationals bullpen is a fucking dumpster fire.
1: It is. It is. And that's, 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 I wanted to touch on that, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Because, uh, for a team that looks so well built as far as, uh, position players one through nine and, and even having, you know, Max Scherzer, you have that ace at the top of your roster. Um, it's really surprising to see them be this bad out of the pen, especially how important and the emphasis that's been put on the bullpen, uh, in baseball in general over the last four, five, six years. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, uh,
2: I mean, the other thing that's going to be difficult for them is they're obviously going to be in the market at the deadline for a closer. Uh, but they ended up trading away large portions of their, uh, of their, you know, the upper echelons of their minor leagues, their minor league system last year to acquire, uh, Adam Eaton. So, like, I mean, I think they traded Lucas Giolito and, uh, Renault and, uh, can't remember the other guy, but I think it's Renardo. Uh, his name is, his name's skipping skipping me for a second. I knew enough I knew it a while back. But they, they gave him a lot to get Eaton A lot. Uh, Way too much lot. in my opinion. Way bro. Too, they, I mean Eaton's real Adam Eaton's really good, but he's really his best value comes defensively in right field. Once you put him in center field, his you know his effect his efficacy as a defensive player is greatly reduced. He's not better than Trey Turner in center field, and Trey Turner's not a center fielder. No, exactly. But Trey they're both athletic, but that's basically where it comes to, but neither one of them's a center fielder. Right. Eaton's a right fielder. And Eaton got paid as a center Eaton got paid as a as a center fielder with uh with a for a right fielder skill set. And I mean if that makes sense, because obviously there's no like there's no position that you want to pay any more or less than any other one. You want to pay production and not a position. And how you fl- how you defend the position's part of that, but Eaton, you know the, the trade to get him was costly. Now, Giallito's actually been crap in the minors, by the way. That's uh, that's the that's the trade they made. I, it's gonna be basically they're gonna have to give up more of their. Uh, I mean, they're they're in for a win now. So the idea is this means nothing to them. They want to win while Harper's, you know, not in the not in my city when he where he will eventually be playing right field for the Yankees and him and Judge next to each other is gonna scare everybody. Um, but yeah, they want to win now, and you can see where going for it and basically emptying out their pen, it's going to put them into a position that the Giants are in eventually. But if you get a ring from it, it's all worth it.
1: Right. Right. And that's why nobody can argue with what the Giants are doing and, you know, or what's transpired. They got three out of six and now, you know, you're paying the price, but, uh, you call that a win? I mean, you chalk that up as a as a gamble, well worth uh well worth taking, and it paid off for them. So I think the the Nats, you know, one ring is is the goal, and 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 uh, I mean, we'll see where it's at. Like you said, I tend to agree with you. Dodgers, Nats, uh, LCS is what I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah. Now we should also just take one moment to discuss
2: something that's very satisfactory to me as a as, a, as an arch hater of this franchise. But the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are exceedingly mediocre, and it's kind of nice.
1: It's always nice to see them suck. I hate because uh, they're a thorn in everybody's fucking side, bro. Like it, yeah, I, there's not a neutral fan of baseball that will tell you, man, I like it when the Cardinals do good. Fuck the Cardinals. Like it's just I everybody feels the same. Like I don't have a conversation with anybody that's not a Cardinals fan that has any type of love for the Cardinals. No,
2: it's because like they have this whole obnoxious thing that they have the most knowledgeable fans in the sport, which is like patently untrue, because you know they've actually gotten a good amount of success. And I think ultimately, to have some sort of knowledge of the sport, you have to be willing to watch, you know, truly awful baseball sometimes. Uh, but they, right now, the the real lone bright spot for them is Carlos Martinez. The rest of the team has been pretty mediocre. I'm actually amazed at how how much Stephen Piscotty has regressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these guys have progressed, and that's what's kind of surprising me, uh, you know. But but uh, Stephen Piscotty is one of those that uh, we really thought his trajectory was in a different, you know, heading in a different direction, and it's just plummeted uh, out of nowhere, really. Yeah, I'm I'm not upset about it. <laughs> I don't think anybody is, man. But I, I, I it's surprising to say the least.
2: Yeah. But at certain points, you had to know that like this team would be, uh, you know, that they would fall apart a bit. I mean, if you look at their lineup, there's not in it that much that that scares you. Their best offensive player all season's basically been Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko's a nice player. Yeah, no, but he's not. He's not anybody to build your team
1: around. I agree with that one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, but it's just also some of the younger players that they've had that they thought would, you know, really pan out to be something have been. I've kind of failed. Like, I mean, Colton Long is not a name that you really hear anymore. Um, Tommy Pham, not so much. Randall gritchick has been sent down a few times. Uh, there's yet overall, you know, there's they're they're looking down the barrel also at a rebuild. Uh, they got quite a bit out of theirs though, because they were, you know, th- this Cardinals team is as, as
1: recently configured has been good for the past eighteen to nineteen years. Right. Right, yeah, you could definitely argue they've had consistent success for a better part of two decades. To be quite honest, uh, well, that's the part about the Cardinals that gets to you is effectively
2: they're like the Yankees, but in the National League.
1: Right, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, no, that's a very good, that's a very good, uh, you know, comparison there. But uh, all right, Justin, I mean, we're covering the hot, the cold, the good, the bad so far. You got anything else to cover in this National League?
2: I mean, I don't really want to talk about the utterly miserable because, I mean. We could quickly, quickly go on. Is there anything worth talking about right now on the San Diego Padres? Not really. We got to the Giants. The Padres, the Padres are really terrible, but you know, the plan there is in order. They know what they're doing. Basically, it's going to be riding Will Myers until you can get a few young players around him who can, who can also contribute. Um, Austin Hedges looks like he might be a part of the solution, except for the fact that he swings at everything and misses. Ryan Schimpf also seems like he might be a part of the solution, only all he does is swing at everything and miss. Like they've just built themselves around a lot of mediocre power hitters. I do like Manuel Margot though. I think he's a nice player. Um, in, in the Central, I really don't want to talk about the Reds because they're they're fuck they're pointless. Like they're not doing very much. The Pirates aren't doing very much, and uh, the Phillies are. You know, they're the, the Phillies are. Re- Made a bunch of trades to try to acquire a bunch of prospects. They turned it over to those prospects, but those prospects haven't really improved or done anything yet. I think the Phillies are where we expected them to be.
1: Um, to be honest, uh, they're probably the one team that uh, we expected to be this bad and has not disappointed us. I expected them, to, you know, I expected them to
2: be bad. I expected them to take a step forward, though. I legitimately thought that the Braves would be the worst team in the division uh, because I just didn't buy some of the Braves. Uh, I didn't buy some of the the the, the aging players that the Braves bought, were bringing in. Like uh, you know, I didn't think Matt Kemp could keep up his production offensively, even though he's a butcher defensively. He has. I didn't think that you know they would get much out of their pitching staff. They have, and, I, and I'm a little you know more disappointed in the Phillies. I thought there was some young talent there between you know Jared Ichikoff, Mike Aaron Nola, and Vince Velasquez. I, I thought that there was. A reasonable chance that that would be like a not terrible one-two-three, but uh, I mean, it's been a pretty terrible
1: one-two-three. Yeah, it's been pretty awful, and uh, I mean, that's how you—you know—when you build young teams, you know, you want to see their quality pitching, you want to see their young players, their stars produced, their prospects, and we're just not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of scuffling, and then we're ha- we're hearing Mike Schmidt make stupid comments. It's just all bad in Philadelphia right now, bro. <sighs>
2: I was so annoyed, but let's talk about that Mike Schmidt comment for a second. Yeah, we can close it out with Mike Schmidt. Let's go. I mean, where, where is he from? I mean, Udu- Odubel Herrera has been the best player on that team for the last few years. If you're an iconic person in the history of the franchise, don't, don't insult the best player on the team. We know it's a down period for the Phillies. Odubel Herrera is a decent, if limited, baseball player who had a few good years and now looks like he might have been figured out and might not be that much. It's not due to effort. It's due to the fact that he's just a guy. Like, there's a reason he was so looked over for so long by a lot of talent outs. Because, you know, there, there were serious questions about Adubal Herrera's ability to be a guy who you can build a franchise around.
1: None of it has, it has nothing to do with his name or his culture. Right, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not it's not the baseball that, that Mike Smith wants to talk about. You know, he wants to talk about the fact that he can't lead a team or he can't be a leader in a clubhouse because the gentleman speaks Spanish and he doesn't have the best English. Uh, last I checked, Justin, over 50% of this league is Latin and, and Spanish speaking. Uh, I don't see Mike Smith going out of his way to learn Spanish so that he could communicate with people. And I know that that wasn't the case back in the day either. So for me, it's just kind of, you know, a hypocrisy and just, a really fucking stupid point to make, uh, especially in the climate right now, bro.
2: Yeah, especially in the climate right now. And also, I mean, if you really want to think about who, I mean, even though his first name isn't Oduble, he's from the same place, who's probably the most iconic leader of a baseball team that, you know, in the past decade. It's either, you know, it's either Derek Jeter, but, you know, he retired five years ago, so right, can't really think about him. We're going to talk about uh, Big Poppy. Big Poppy. Yeah, we're talking about Big Poppy. They built a team around him. That Red Sox team was built around him, competed year in and year out, won three rings. Right. Right. And loved in the clubhouse. I mean Loved. Yeah. Still still loved every place. I don't I can't think of a single fan base, even Yankee
1: fans, who don't like Big Poppy because he's actually kinda likable. Yeah. He's a real dude. That's all. Yeah. He's just very genuine. He comes off genuine, comes off honest. He doesn't he has a he doesn't have a filter, you know, when it's necessary to speak up, but at the same time he's not running over his mouth saying stupid, stupid shit out of nowhere. He keeps the team together. He always said the right things at the right time. And in that clubhouse you knew who the Red Sox would look up to. When there was a tough moment in a game, Big Poppy. When there was something going on in the clubhouse, big poppy. And you just knew it. And uh I think that's something that a lot of teams uh Really could use a, a big poppy in their clubhouse because that that that's the that, that for me is the missing link to a lot of these teams from not taking that next step. And the Red Sox just happened to you know have one fall in their lap and really build around that for quite some time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Whoever early in, in David Ortiz, just like and I guess I'll 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 end with these cheap thoughts. Whoever early in David Ortiz's career told him that he should hit the ball to look to hit the ball the other way. I hope he's unemployed because you shouldn't be employed. You have an elite all-time power hitter. You fucking let him pull the ball. And secondly, from a Met fan, because of that stupidity, Schmitter, go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> On that note, I think that we're going to call it a wrap, everybody. We'll be back next week to discuss the American League. And I second that with Justin said. Schmidt, go fuck yourself. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys soon.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.